And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 220 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. How you doing this week, Brian? Uh, okay. Uh, work was a lot this week. Still still going on, but, you know, dealing. Yeah. So. I, I know that feeling very well. Yeah. Uh, we, as is the norm in the carpet industry, took the week of the fourth off for most staff. And that's not something we normally do. We're normally actually kicking back into our busy season than usually. But in doing so, we discovered, well, we discovered that our processes aren't meant for just three people in the entire company, which doesn't <laughs> seem like a big red flag to me, I was going to say, does that seem like that's, that's a problem or just like, yeah, duh. Well, it has created a sense of urgency in some. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I think there are valid points, perhaps in there, about cross-training in our current national situation that maybe yes. we want to up some cross-training in case we see ourselves with with people out sick. Yes. Um, I think there is some wisdom in that, and I've just tried to steer us, steer us in that direction and away from let's rebuild all of our processes so three people can run the entire operation, because that will never happen. I was going to say, well... <laughs> You would think if you could have done that, you'd have done that to save money anyway, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, in in a, in a general like business analytics type situation, not all I will what say, you would actually do. Yeah, all I will say in response to that is the the carpet industry is even weirder than the comics industry. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, all of which is to say, yeah, I get the weird, stressful work stuff right now. Yeah. Yeah, I had an uncle who was in the carpet industry for his whole career. Yeah. Um, and probably stranger for it. <laughs> yeah, could be. Well, let's uh, get into comics. All right, let's do it. Start with Dark Knight's Death Metal, number two. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say this one. I don't know how to talk about this issue at all without spoiling number one. Yeah, no, like there's going to, there's definitely, this is one of those comics that you can't talk about without spoiling what's going on in the issues. Yeah. I think the one thing you can say, which will perhaps explain why we can't talk about two without spoiling one is an incredible amount seems to happen off panel in this book. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, and here's the thing, this is what probably is surprising the most to me, like, I actually even thought about this this week as I was reading this, is there's so much that happens off panel, it is utterly shocking to me, this being one of the big two books, obviously a DC book, that they didn't come out with a whole bunch of one-shots to show what that was. Yeah, I mean, it's... It also kind of accidentally makes it the perfect 
event book for coming back from a publishing hiatus. Yeah, it's crazy. Like even if you feel like you're you're just sort of out of the loop, that's by design with this book, so it's immune yeah. to the what just happened. I don't know. No, that was that no. Was I know. Me. I'm. Oh, okay. I, 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 <laughs> that was me playing off of it. Yeah, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who's on first? What? I don't no, know. Third base. base. Oh no. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Boy. So, um, we've given people plenty of time to jump forward if they don't want to have number one spoiled. So, um, so, the Batman so Who Laughs is dead. Yeah, Batman Who Laughs is Wonder Woman chopped that boy in half. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and I don't know what I love most of the three things that are crazy and insane that happen on the very first page of this issue. I don't know what about it I like the most. I don't know if it's, there's, that there's a loving character that we have uh, in the Adam, who is now the Batam. <laughs> the Batam is very good. Um, I don't know if it's that he is disguised in a lizard suit <laughs> running around the grass. That is my favorite part of it, is his like lizard, <laughs> lizard suit that he wears while he's tiny to not be caught. <laughs> or that um, at the bottom of the page he just gets run over by a giant monster bat truck and killed. <laughs> Like a fly on the windshield. Oh, hey. Hey, now that's later. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I, I know I said this last time, but it holds true here. I love that this feels more like a Wonder Woman story than a Batman story. I do, too. I like that a lot. In, in spite of everything kind of being... I mean, because uh, even though... Batman, our Batman, is obviously still a good guy in this. Like, all the Bat-themed stuff is kind of the villain in this, right? Well, and on top of that, I think it it's a smart choice for a couple of other reasons. One, so much of Snyder's time at DC is built around Batman. Yes, yeah. That if this is sort of the end of that whole long road for him and him shifting into new gears, it kind of makes sense to pass the torch. But also, and I didn't think about this after the first issue, but I did after this one. If this were a Batman book, given the conflict between Batman and Wonder Woman here, it would be Last Night on Earth again. Yeah. But instead it feels like it's almost in conversation with Last Night on Earth? Or an alternate possibility for Last Night on Earth? Right, kind of a, kind of an AU of, yeah. Yeah. Like, we've dodged that future, but we have this worse future because of it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, can I, just for a moment, I'm I like, I'm looking through the pages as we get. Can we just talk about the aesthetic that they've given Wonder Woman in this? Because, damn, can, I love it. Can we just talk about her hair? I know. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. I know Jin is not here, and this feels like a conversation we really should have Jin here for. Holy crap. But the like, black to blue ombre is just just the best diana got that going on with her hair i'm telling you that is beautiful loving it uh i like the uh the speedster reunion that we get yes triple yeah. flash hug triple flash hug um okay and then um can we talk about what is definitely the most terrifying aspect of this book that jonah hex becomes the voice of reason uh no I mean, that's, no. And to say that that isn't, <laughs> that is its own comment, is it not? Oh, you must be talking about, and 
boy howdy if you haven't listen if you haven't read this one yet i'm gonna recommend you do if you plan on it before you keep going yeah yeah would that be the brain transplant brian that would be the brain transplant with the three alfred surgeons <laughs> yes um uh-huh alfred yes um <laughs> and can I just say the thought of a Dr. Manhattan Bruce Wayne scares the shit out of me? Again, the, the technical name from the script page in the back is the Bat-Manhattan Who Laughs. <laughs> there you go. Because um, they have taken the brain of the Batman Who Laughs yeah. and transplanted it in a Dr. Manhattan. Um, And, uh, like, to be clear, when I said that before, I was talking about just, like... Whoever he was before this happened, which was a Bruce Wayne who became Dr. Manhattan. That's fair. Yeah, like that in and of itself tears me. The fact that you now have the Batman who laughs brain in this being, who apparently has all of Dr. Manhattan's powers. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, and he, he, he now gets a new name, but more importantly... No longer has red text on black background speech. Oh my god, thank, like that th in and of thank itself Thank the lettering was, gods. Yeah, that in and of itself was worth whatever transition they had to do. Because that was so hard to read. Like, oh, never was, ever make that choice again, comic, it comic was letters. Not because... The worst on the old paper. But <sighs> once they switched to that matte paper from the glossy. Yeah. There were issues where I'd have to, like, take pictures with my phone. Yeah. Just for the phone contrast to pick it up. Yeah. Uh, well, I, it, it was not uncommon. I know for a fact there were a couple of times where I put the camera on my phone and zoomed in just so it was no. big enough that I could, yeah. It's like yeah. just, there's just enough bleed in uh -huh. that, that matte paper. Yeah. Anyway, yes, uh, new text colors. And also now he's the Darkest Knight. He is the Darkest Knight. And he, and, uh, he names a new deputy. Yes, he does. Um, the Robin King. Crow. So, who do we think this particular Robin is? Any thoughts? I think if a Batman who laughs... Actually, I have changed my mind halfway through this sentence. I was going uh -oh. to say, I think if a Batman who laughs, we're going to pick a Robin to become his head Robin, like Jason Todd, right? The that vicious would, one who's also smart. That would make smart a sense, and, sure. But then I realized, no, that's not who the Batman Who Laughs would pick. Mm -mm. Do you want to take a stab? Uh, I think he. W I, I think very much just the opposite. I think it would be Tim Drake or or Dick Grayson. I think there's an even better, more obvious answer. I think he's adopted a new orphan. Oh, Bruce Wayne from Crime Alley. <laughs> what if his lead Robin? We're just another Bruce. Which, you know what, makes total sense. Because he asks, he, he, he tells the Robin, um, tell me your story, child. And he, the Robin whispers whatever it is. And he's like, oh, my power is still weak. I could use a like-minded ally. Yeah. So maybe he finds out, oh, this is a Bruce White. Perfect. Because if all Robins are Bruce trying to undo his original trauma. Right. Well, why not oh. do it literally? Oh boy, yeah, that makes total sense. Actually, I mean, my, I'll be honest. My uh, my gut reaction thought was going to be it's the it's the uh, 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 Shazam, um, Billy Batson. Billy Batson. Yeah, but I think um, that's also a smart guess. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is, oh my God, so much fun. Yeah, I love it. And then uh, Toy Master, boy. Boy, <laughs> how does, has he stepped up his game, huh? A real Zordon, that Toy Master. I tell you what, man. One might say a Super Zordon. Wonder Zordon. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. The suits. Like, if Darkest Nights was big dumb fun, this is this is ultimate big dumb fun. <laughs> yeah. This is this is like big dumb fun, but also just big dumb fun and nowhere to go but up because the whole world is terrible. It can only get better or just die out in time. Or just end. Yeah. 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 This is big dumb fun. Turn to eleven. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Speaking of the end of the world. Oh sure. Deceased Hope at World's End <sighs> number five. All right. So uh, if I mean if you're keeping up with the DC stuff, you probably already know. Hope at World's End is the digital only release. I'm yes. assuming they'll probably put it out and it'll trade get a it. trade. Yeah. yeah. At some point, but um, it's digital only and it's coming out biweekly and. Damn, it's just as good as all the other deceased stuff. Um, hey, Brian, you remember last week when we said the thing we really wanted to see more of in Deceased was Cassie? Mm-hmm. It's like they were reading our minds. It's almost that way, you know, if they hadn't have written it before that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so this is, uh, this is actually before they leave Earth. So this is kind of a, a little uh, story of Right after Damien, so in the last issue, Damien took the mantle of Batman. Yeah. Which, I don't think we talked about that one, but wow, was that moving. And that talk that Superman has with him. Yeah. Like, super, super good stuff there. Um, But Damien, Cassie finds John and says, um, I think Damien just stole the invisible jet. <laughs> <laughs> so the two of them go flying after him, and they're like, dude, you can't take the invisible jet. And he's like, I've got to go find my mom. I know she's in Gotham somewhere, so I've got to go. And they're like, all right, fine. Then we're going with you. <laughs> it's our first Cassie, new Trinity team up. And Cassie and John and Damien all go, yeah. Yeah. And this is right after. So actually, I guess Superman, Superman is not gone yet. So he's still right. Superboy at this point. Yeah. Like, this is still and, set during the original DCs. Right. And I don't know, I, I don't know time frame wise if this is before or after Wonder Woman. So. Um, yeah, I'm not sure at this point. No, um, no. Uh, uh, Wonder Woman went after Superman, didn't she? Yeah, this is before. So this has got to be before. Okay, so yeah. it's so it's Damien's the only one who has taken up his new mantle. Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, but still, super good. So yeah, uh, turns out Talia is in a safe room, and, you know, in a vault, and they go and find her, and uh, <laughs> it's so good. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to say other than just watching the three of these is, uh, it, it's so, so good. I love, there's one comment, which uh, uh, is going to be my quote of the week. <laughs> Brian's quote of the week. Yeah, where, um, like I said, they arrive at the vault, and Damien's like, if she's still alive, my mother will be in the panic room under the vault. And Cassie's like, all right, you stay back, and we'll clear out the... And he just jumps in and starts throwing batterings and bombs. <laughs> and Cassie goes, he's kind of infuriatingly living up to that costume, isn't he? Yeah, he really is. 
Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I uh, And then we get a beautiful double page spread of the three of them. I need to shout out the Kite Man cameo. As yeah. much as uh, yeah. Tom King and Tom Taylor get mistaken for each other on the internet, <laughs> I'm glad to see Tom Taylor finally take his swing at Kite Man, and I'm going to say knock it out of the park. He really connects. Uh, he does really, yes. Hell yeah, I mean, oh no. <laughs> oh bother. Oh, oh, that's not Charlie Brown, that's Winnie the Pooh. Close enough. Yeah. Alright. Uh, and oh. And then one more comment is... Uh, somebody who I was not expecting shows up here mm. at the end. Yes, right. I almost forgot about oh, this. Thank how you. could you forget about this? This is fantastic, and I love it. Um, so, like, essentially, uh, and and I this was very definitely purposefully set up this way. Essentially, Damien has lost everybody in this. Yeah, the only person from the Bat family that we knew of that was alive, I guess, other than Alfred, right, yeah. was Jason Todd. Right. Right? Turns out there is someone else, and it's somebody else who now has basically, well, I, and Cassie, but Jason and Cassie are together. Yeah. Right. So, um, and uh, uh, we see Spoiler. Yes. And Stephanie comes up and, like, is just super, super sweet to Damien, and then says, by the way, so if you're going to take the role of Batman, then you need the one thing that Batman always needs which is the person that makes him not lose his mind to being Batman, you need a new Robin. And so she is in her old Robin costume. I will say this, though. The fact that we have not seen her in uh, the new DC series makes me yeah. very worried for her. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But, oh my god, I love it. I love it. Ah, So good. Me Great too. Stuff. Strange Adventures number three. Wow, I think I, I think the wording I used before uh, we started was, man, that Tom King really knows how to tap into the zeitgeist, doesn't he? He does. Now, at that particular point in our, our pre-show uh, note-making conversation, oh, I asked Brian, "No, did you hear about the new announcement? I have not. So DC announced a new book this week, a black label series from Tom King, Jorge Fornes, and Dave Stewart. 12 issues starting in October about what to do when you are full of anger because of the world and the political system around you and how to make that productive, maybe. Ryan, do you have any last minute guesses before I send you the cover to this book? Oh, hey, I want to ask a few questions to see if okay. I can narrow this down a little bit. All right. So. Is it a is it somebody who is also a reporter of some sort? Um what do you mean or, by or, of some sort? Or broadcaster. Like like their alternate ego potentially. No. Okay. Cuz my thought was potentially a uh, creeper. Jack it Ryder. Is, <laughs> I look I would love I would love <laughs> I'm going to put this one in the universe Tom King Creeper series. Right? Go nuts, man. <laughs> um oh boy that's gonna make this harder than i will say i think you're 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 thinking the right way okay um it's it, it, obviously it's not gonna be well and you said it's not a report so it's not gonna be lois because oh, they just did a lois correct um <laughs> all right you know what i'm let's 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 Either give me hints or let's let's move on. What do um, we got? Okay, I will I will give you a hint here. 
Okay. Um, it is not a character you're immediately going to think of when you think of DC continuity. Is it a future or a past character, like from the future or, or like Justice Society or like Legion type? It is not. Okay. Um, it is a character who has had one solo miniseries before. Ooh, that that definitely limits it. Um, and this is set thirty five years <gasps> after the character's original appearance. Static shot. No. Okay. Hmm. Who else has had one series? Wow. Been in one series, had one solo miniseries. The solo miniseries was, I think, two thousand twelve. Oh. But it was not a part of the new 52. Wow. Okay. First of all, you're tapping into the, the hole in my knowledge. Second of all, wow. Not part of the new 52, but in 2012. But you've definitely read the original series, and uh, it uses a... Let, let me put it this way. Tom King's style is a good visual fit, given the original series visual style. Uh, is it a single character or a team? Single character. Oh, okay. So it's not him going back to, like, Omega Men or something like that? It is not. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you one more guess. Okay. I will also yeah. say this. It is a character based on an older character. So it's like a reinvention of a character. Yes. This character is the same character who's appeared since that original series, but this character is based on Did an the older origin- character. Did the older pre-existing character die? Um, it's comics. The pre-existing character has died. Oh. Uh, um, there is a, like, legacy version of that character in the regular DC continuity. Uh, it's not Adam, is it? It's not. You're on the right track. I was track. thinking Ryan Choi. Um, God, you're so close. I want to let you keep guessing. A, a vixen or... Golly, uh, gypsy vibe. This is turning out to be a real test for you. Oh, God damn it. Um, I know that's a clue somehow. Yeah, <laughs> but you, you just can't spot it. That, no, not the heckler. I'm thinking the spots now. You, I just, my brain just went immediately there. Okay, who is it? Check your text messages. Oh, God. I sent it 35 seconds ago. Uh, yep, no, I know. I've got to get out of the screen I'm on. Oh, my word. It's Rorschach. Really? Yep. Oh, I never would have guessed that. I gave you all the clues. Oh, my God. You did. Like Renee Montoya is currently around. Legacy version of. Yeah. 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 Uh, Wow. I, I honestly, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm here for it. I, I have little enough attachment to Watchmen that I'm all for seeing what Tom King does with this. And the idea of a book about, like, what to do with being angry right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm and, here for that. And I'm guessing this is probably going to be the, uh, obviously, probably the Rorschach that we have seen in Doomsday Clock, right? I mean, I would almost think it has to be, right? I think, well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, unless unless it's a story, you know, a, like a throwback to a during that time. But... Um, no, it's set 35 years after Watchmen, and the premise is that for the first time someone is running against President Redford, and uh, someone dressed as Rorschach shows up in an assassination attempt. 
Okay. Um, you know what? I, I don't hate this then. I, I if if it's if it's set in the Watchmen universe and it's set that far after the events, I am I'm okay with this. This seems like a good good way to reimagine and potentially carry because you're not trying to tell new stories with those characters, right? Right. You're telling a new story with a new character who is essentially using the inspiration of that legacy, which is what would have to happen. Yeah. Okay, I, that I can that I can go with. Yeah, and like, reading about it, I get the vibe, and I may be wrong, yeah. but like, I get the vibe that it's not necessarily going to star Rorschach yeah. as much as be about this mystery involving Rorschach. Okay. Which I think that um, distance also helps. Holy cow, I don't know, but I can tell you right now, I do absolutely love the aesthetic of this cover. Uh-huh. Jorge yeah. Fornes is a great pick for this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's got a very, very noir styling to this. Like, both noir and I think of, like, mass market pulp paperbacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Anyway... So, Strange Adventures number three. Oh, super good. Yeah, we're okay. We're back. I don't know if that was worth it for anyone listening, but it was for me. I had oh, fun. Yeah, I'm glad you did. That is, no, that's, that's amazing. Um, I, did, I did tweet at Mike asking him what he thought about it, and boy, howdy, is he torn in half. Yeah, I can. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I totally. And I get his feeling. I just expressed yeah. mine about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Strange Adventures. Holy cow. Um. For Mr. Terrific to be involved, there's a character in this who's not playing fair, is she? No, no, she's not. She is uh, not very nice. No. Um, here's the thing. I've always... to me, This is what I absolutely love about this. Tom King has, like, delved into my own personal headcanon about this character. <laughs> because... We're talking have, about Alana. Alana, yeah. Um, Adam's wife. I have always thought that she was kind of too pretty and too perfect and too much just the... And obviously in the 70s, you know, a female character was a lot of times just written this way. Yeah. Um, but she was just, you know, the, the too perfect character that was just the attachment for him, right? Um, but, like, for some reason in my head, I always thought that, yeah, no, the reason she rules is because she is really actually secretly ruthless and awful and, yeah. And, man, has he pulled her into that. That is actually really cool to hear, because I don't know Adam Strange super, super well. Um, so, like, getting that vibe is kind of at least there enough that it could be headcanon. Yes. Like, makes absolutely. me really appreciate that here. Well, and it was always just a super, super subtle thing of she would make comments that, and maybe even at the time you wouldn't realize, like, maybe if I went back and reread it now, it'd be a lot more obvious, right? Yeah. Just because we're so much more tuned into picking up on things that people say and how they say them. Um, well, and also, what would have been maybe stilted and of a style then right. would read now as something different. Yes. Right? Exactly right. And yeah. Oh my god. Um so first of all, love that. Second of all, this I can't say enough about how much I love these two distinct art styles 
and love both of them and love how much they work together to tell this story. Yeah, and like, I think there's something really clever in the way this issue is constructed using them because, like, I think the easy thing to do would be to say, okay, we're going to have present Adam and past, not Adam, well, Adam, yeah, his name Adam, is Adam. Adam Strange, yeah. Yeah. Uh, present Adam and past Adam both in big fights that mirror each other. But the present Adam's big fight isn't so much a literal fight as much as trying to get word from any of his friends in the Justice League about what's going on with the investigation because right. he's become actually worried about it. Because Mr. Terrific has, has honed in on this one discrepancy about their daughter. And here's the thing. I, I, can I? Do you want my prediction for where this is actually going to go? Um, we'll see if it matches up with mine, yeah. I think Adam is 100% innocent and above board, right? Um, and I think we're going to find that Alana has duped him as well as... Maybe. Yeah. That's, that's, I think, certainly possible. I think, like, for sure their daughter is alive. Yeah. And is, like, a slave of the Pict or whatever. Uh, because there is a point in here where... Alana is speaking in a press conference and talks about how they've killed our family, they've taken or they've killed our countrymen, they've taken our dot 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 family. Right. And like it's very clearly like you don't think about it in the moment, but it's kind of written as a she was going to say daughter. She was going to say they've taken our daughter. Yes. The the way that Adam always talks about it, the way she always talks about it is that they've lost their daughter. Right. What Mr. Terrific picks up on is he reads that as they're saying she's dead, but I think, like, I think maybe the extent to which we might be predicting it a little differently is I think Adam knows she's alive. I, I don't disagree with that. Here's the thing. Like, it's going to be a thing where Adam doesn't even realize his words are being misinterpreted. Gotcha. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, when he's saying, yeah, our daughter is lost, da, 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 like, he's thinking everybody kind of understands that he means, like, lost to them, not dead. Right. And it, like, doesn't even occur. Like, I think it's one of those things, it's almost like the, the, the paladin fallacy of you don't even conceive that other people would think you're being deceitful, so it doesn't occur to you that they might misinterpret it in a way right. different than what you mean. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's not to say Adam is, you know, 100% above board, everything. I I'm not saying that either, but clearly what he does in the arena demonstrates that. Um, but I, I do think that he genuinely, I mean, and you hear this from the Justice League, and this is honestly where I'm getting a lot of this from, is they believe he's a good guy, and I think they would have over the years picked up if he was not. Which is... A really interesting statement to make, given, like, some of the things that are going on in the comics industry right now. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Like, I could see, because, I mean, we're also, like, three issues out of 12 into this. Yeah. I could see, like, this evolving into some version of, do they really think he's that great, or have they overlooked enough things that if they actually stopped and questioned would unravel maybe because like yeah. some of the conversations around and i will leave it at just sexual predation yeah 
from long-standing comics creators people have said almost those exact same words like we always thought it was a joke we knew this was a little weird we never knew the extent of but if we'd stopped and thought maybe we would have seen yeah maybe so maybe so um regardless i think we're gonna find out that it, i guess in general what i'm saying is i think we're gonna find out alana is much more the villain than he is it certainly feels that way in this issue yeah um, man, and oh man, yeah, she's she's just awful. I love Mister Terrific. I do too. I just I always need a hundred percent more Mister Terrific than is ever in comics. There's never enough Terry Holt, uh, Michael Holt. Sorry, Michael. Michael Holt. I was gonna say Terry. Uh, yeah, Michael Holt. Yep. Okay, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number twelve. <laughs> Jim Jiminy, Jim Jiminy, Jim Jimfany Jury. Yeah, wow. Uh what a what a what a wrap up to this uh story. Um the only th- I was disappointed in one single thing about this issue. Was it the fact that there was only one title card in it? Yes, that's exactly what it was. I know you so well. Um that is one hundred percent what it was. Um but yeah, I love when he comes storming into the to the Daily Planet. With like his sloppily packed luggage and holding Dexter, <laughs> and yes. Julie is with him, and his wife is, or I guess now ex-wife is with him, and like, Jix. like just all, yeah, Jix is with him, and like all of these people are around. Like I just love it so much. It's so beautiful. It's so Jimmy, and yeah, uh, yeah, and he storms into the meeting where they're like. Not storms into, but like crashes the meeting where they're announcing the daily plat is close. He's just like, "What did I miss?" Yeah, sorry, I'm late. What's up? Yeah, uh, guys. And then we learn and so many learn. things about Jimmy that have been hinted at throughout the series. Well, I guess first we get the resolution of Julian, right? Well, that's true. We do. Which is that Detective Corrigan? No, not that one. <laughs> Goes and uh, confronts him at, with Jimmy and Jane, Janie, and they actually arrest him. And uh, I love, I love Jimmy following in the UFO behind the cop car. Uh huh. Yes. So good, so wonderful. Um, I love. Uh, can I say that I also love Janie's comment when they find out that literally all of the Olsen money is gone <laughs> without and having he, to get a job. Yes, and and Jen, and Jimmy's like. Jobs are fine. Jobs are fun. You get to go to Gorilla City a lot. And she's like, your job is fine. Your job is fun. My job is the theater, and it's not fun to rend a living theater of the common man from the... And she just stops, and she's like, fine. Okay, okay. I can write a play. I can write a resume. <laughs> hey, here's a quick PSA. If you're working in theater and it's not fun, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, that, I was going to say that, yes. But... The drama is definitely appreciated from a theater. Yes. Person, right? Yes. Yes. But as, as someone... 100% what that was. <laughs> does professional theater work? If you're not having fun, something is wrong. And please investigate that. Yes. It's either not for you, or you're not doing it at the right theater, or yeah. <laughs> or the people who run that theater are being gross and mean. taking advantage. Yeah, That's what I mean, yeah. Um, now, can I tell you who now has now turned out to be possibly one of my favorite characters and came out of the blue for me? Um, is that Jimmy Olsen's new cousin? Uh, it is not his new cousin. It is the person that works for his new cousin. 
Oh, have mercy. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not mercy. Oh, it's not mercy. It's Tessmacher. Oh, right. Yes, Miss Tessmacher. Yeah. It's Miss Tessmacher who comes in and gives Jimmy the box that has all the proof that. In their lines, the Olsons and Luthers are commingled and are they're all now all related. Yes. Jimmy is a cousin, and that means he gets a say over the Luther Trust, which requires all family members to approve expenditures. Yes. So Jimmy can now block anything Lex Luthor ever wants to do. Yes. And can I tell you, how, like, the her reasoning behind it is like, the great he's like why uh, thank you but why would you do this and she's like lex luther has to have somebody to uh, as a foil against him he has to constantly have someone to distract and compete against and while superman provides that on a planetary or galactic basis he needs someone like in his own personal world to do that and now that you don't have a fortune you can't compete against him anymore so with this now you can now all still be his personal foil yeah and julian <laughs> had been it but now it's got to be jimmy right and yeah it's like I, I can't tell you how much i love that whole premise it's yeah, just it's beautiful so great i love it yeah and from what we've learned in october solicitations dc i think is the only company to release theirs yet um but Jimmy, Jimmy's new job title at the end of this will actually carry forward into action and Superman oh, and everything that's so going wonderful. on there. And then when Jimmy goes and confronts Lex and like tells him what the new situation is going to be, like her covering up a smirk in the background is just the yeah. best. <laughs> no, she is excellent. Uh, yeah. All right, moving on to Marvel. Avengers number 34. Oh, this may be my favorite Avengers story ever. So, when we talked oh. about 33, uh, I don't think you were caught up yet. And you uh -uh. you and I agreed, though, on one thing. That given what happens in 33, Moon Knight taking on a bunch of Avengers. Uh-huh. It sounded a little bit like the last Avenger storyline in mm -hmm. Captain Marvel. Yep. I think it's safe to say that number 34 adequately differentiates itself from that. Yes. <laughs> Boy, howdy, yes. So this is not all about him sequentially fighting and beating the Avengers. No. So much as it's about him uh, helping Khonshu transform Manhattan into new Thebes to prepare to fight a bunch of Mephisto's allies after the two of them do put a hole the size of Mjolnir in Mephisto. Yes. And grind him to dust and spread that dust through the cosmos. Like, the whole the whole idea of what he does to him is just so beautiful. Like, first of all, the, the, the Mjolnir going through him is beautiful in and of itself, and then the fact that you see he has two onks strapped to the front of Mjolnir. Yeah. Right? It's just like, oh, damn. Um, yeah. And then the other one, which was the big, which, and this was actually last issue, and I don't think you specifically mentioned it, was 
we actually learned a piece of lore, like big, huge Marvel lore, that I don't think we knew before. And what is that? About what Uru Metal is. Oh, yeah, no, I left that detail out last time, because I didn't want to totally spoil that fight. Uh, But it has been long enough now. And that is that Uru Metal, which is what Mjolnir is obviously forged from, is actually what is left over from the creation and essentially was the, you know, leftover and conglomerated, much like when the Earth was formed, you know, oh, say, the moon is what was left over. Um, But I think it says explicitly it's, like, made of the same stuff of moons. Yeah, so essentially it's the original moon rock. Yeah. Guess who has control over that? (laughs) (laughs) The moon knight? Uh, and his boss. Yeah. 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 Um, um, no, this is, this is wild, and I love this so much. Oh, my God. I tell you what is, uh, the other, the other piece of this that is really, and God, it was almost kind of hard to watch, is Black the Black Panther, Panther yeah. piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we learned in 33 that, like, and Moon Knight walks away from ty- fighting T'Challa in 33, because he really can't go through with just straight up killing. Correct. And that's the only way he's going to get the Black the Panther's power. power. The plot, right, the power of the Black Panther. Right. And Moon Knight is now Conchu's prisoner and being tortured regularly. Not Moon Knight, Black Panther. Uh, Black Panther. Is Conchu's yeah. prisoner and being tortured regularly. That moment, though, where he breaks the chains and just starts taking on the, the guards is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So essentially the two... The two pieces that he kind of wants that he didn't get of power in order to truly be prepared for whatever it is that's coming Mm -hmm. is the power of the Black Panther. Yep. And the star brand. And boy, howdy. and, And the Phoenix Force. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, howdy, let me tell you. I would read an entire mini series of Carol and Tony trying to raise this baby. Yeah. We are not a family. Don't listen to her, Brandy. Mommy and Daddy love each other very much. <laughs> also, I love that they call the baby star brand Brandy. Yes. <laughs> like, everything about this is wonderful. <sighs> it's the best of comics. It's great. <laughs> Jason Aaron, you mad genius. <laughs> uh, I, d- good God, I love this elevation of Moon Knight too, yes. to this powerful of a character, like and like it's it's keeping in line with things we have seen, like the the big spread of New Thebes City, yeah, brings to mind the Jeff Lemire run when absolutely when Moon Knight was trapped in this hybrid city, mm-hmm. like it's so well executed in the writing and in the art, just every level. Everything about this is wonderful. Moving on, Captain Marvel number 17. It's game night. Wow, does that mean different things to different people? Yeah. Oh, poor Kamala. (laughs) So, um, Carol is having game night, so she's invited some friends over. And that includes Hazmat and Spectrum and Spider-Woman and Wolverine. Yep. And Ms. Marvel, who shows up last. Yeah, and it's a poker game. After they're already in the middle of their poker game. 
Kamala can't play poker. Nope. But she shows up with a bunch of board games, not knowing what game night means. Right. Like, like that's the that's the first piece of this is you know the idea of Carol saying game night to all of them like instantly meant like poker game, right? Yeah. And to Kamala means you know. Settlers of Takan and Pachisi and all of these off-name games. I gotta say, I am with Kamala on this one, because when I saw that this issue was Game Night, my first thought was, yes, we're finally getting it. Miss Marvel and Friends playing D&D. Right, exactly. It, like, I love that it means different things to different people, yeah. and th- that's where this starts, right? And then, yeah, and then Kamala's like, you realize that poker is gambling, I can't gamble. Oh, right. She's like, well... It is kind of a gray area, so I guess if we're not playing for money, well... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they do the next best thing. They go to an escape room. Kamala makes a call. And what is escape room call? Escape room call, do you remember? No. Escape from New Jersey. (laughs) Yes, that's right. (laughs) Which I love on so many levels. Like, I, I whiffed so much on just, like, minute-to-minute predictions in this book. <laughs> as soon as the Nexus was mentioned, I went to yeah. the Nexus of all realities and was like, oh, shit, here comes Howard the Duck! <laughs> nope. It was a great issue in which everything I thought was going to happen was wrong. Immediately didn't, yes. So, yeah, they get in this escape room, and it turns out that the the person that this genius designer of escape rooms um, which the only reason they got in is because Kamala dropped names of the Avengers. Yeah. Hi, I'm Miss Marvel. My friends and I would like to come. Yes. So, turns out that he is um, a narcissistic genius yeah. <laughs> in, in designing escape rooms, and that he sees as his ultimate challenge as his ultimate challenge the ability to actually create an escape room that the Avengers can't escape from. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be great publicity. Right. So he does. And, you know, they have to, uh, like an escape room, they have to work together to actually get out of it. And then he's like, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, like, that's pretty much it. I love it. Yeah. He gets shipped off to the raft and he's like, mm-hmm. what, what, why? I, I don't think this is necessary. Well, you did have basically the Avengers on the ropes. That's kind of a big deal. Wait, wait, I had him on the ropes, really? You think so? <laughs> and then and then we get back into uh, the wheelhouse of, so how does Carol des- decide that, what's a game they can all play that should wrap up the evening? Trivia! Bar trivia. To which all of the females um, know the answer to <laughs> the trivia question that's asked, and they all answer at the same time, Captain America's butt! The, cap- the answer is Captain America's butt! <laughs> We can never tell Steve about this. <laughs> and Logan, I love, like, they're all yelling that at the same time. It goes, it goes to the same word balloon. And Logan's is just off to the side. <laughs> I love it. It is that a delight. And like, I think it's a good breath of fresh air. Because I, I think the next issues are going to be Empire tie-ins. And yeah. I think that's going to get heavy. Yeah. Yeah, this was a, this was a a a very wonderful breather issue. Yeah, yes. Speaking of Empire, oh boy. So 
Scale of 1 to 10, how much is this not what we expected it to be? Mm, I'm going to go with about an 8. Yeah, like, there are points in this issue where it starts to telegraph, and I'm like, oh, okay. The Kotati are going to end up being evil in, like, issue 5. Got it. Right, yeah. No, it's not going to be in issue 5. Or, you know, maybe issue 1. Could yeah. be issue 1. <laughs> um... Hey, uh, well, we'll we'll get to we'll get to a couple of predictions in a minute. Okay. So, the question that we never asked, that none of the Avengers ever asked, that none of the Fantastic Four really asked, and this this baffles me a little bit. Yeah. Which and here's here's this is getting to the heart of what I love so much about this, and this is so much like okay, yes, this is Al Ewing and Dan Slott working together, right? Mm Hmm. Um. Because this is the kind of thing they pull off. What if there's actually a good reason for the Kree and the Scroll to unite? Yeah. What if doing that is right and Teddy has good reason for this and isn't just being manipulated? So, like, to me, when you said, you know, the question they didn't ask, my question is, oh, so they showed you something that made you think you had to do this. The answer, question, what was it they showed you? Right, I mean... Yeah. In in the moment, that very specifically becomes the guys. Why are none of you asking this? Right. Yeah. Um. And I I absolutely love because if you stop for half a second and think, the answer is very obvious, and that is, well, we're the Fantastic Four and the Avengers. Of course, we know what's best. Right. And we know what's going on. It it reminded me so much actually of Justice League. Yes, I thought the same thing. Yes. Like, like somewhere so there's Wonder Woman to... being like, can we just ask what Teddy saw? Oh my god. Yeah. We had, we literally had the exact same thing in my D&D game yesterday where it was, oh, okay, we're here. We gotta fight the white dragon that's at the end of this dungeon that we've been going through. Da, da, da. And then halfway through the fight, like the, the, the dragon like walls herself off and is like, okay, you've proven yourself worthy. Can we just talk? And like some of us at the beginning were, maybe we should just talk to the dragon. Okay. <laughs> Turns out we say, were supposed to talk to the dragon. <laughs> I miss our D&D game where we like de-escalated and negotiated through every conflict. <laughs> yes, yes. Everything was like, no, we're, do, we, do we have to fight? Can we just talk this out? <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd really rather not. I don't want a reputation. I'm a big scary bugbear. Yeah. I don't need this on me. <laughs> Let's just talk, guys. Yeah. So the this Kutati, is how stereotypes happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Kutati are oh. uh, in the process of a ritual to open a giant flower that will give them control over, let's just say the green. We'll just shorthand it to the green. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's fair. Um, all plant of, life. The green of the Marvel Universe, yeah. Yeah. All the rations aboard the uh, Skrull and Kree fleets. All the of dirt. the dirt that's on their shoes and the yeah yeah greenery on earth i'm presuming like stuff in people's stomachs even um and did you notice that that included a lot of you know i'm guessing seeds or dirt or soil that were in the cracks of thing i did notice that Ugh. um i also know that x-men ties into this which did not make a lot of sense to me oh hello krakoa. seeds of krakoa now that makes sense yeah. Oh shit. Like mm, your whole your whole new nation 
that you have done everything to create like this is plant-based. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> um, apparently, it's not easy not being green. Not right now, it's not. Which brings me to, uh, they've totally replaced She-Hulk with a plant person, right? Like, they, they at one yeah. point escort Jennifer away to be like, hey, let us help you. And she comes back, just like, yeah, I've got all my power, but full control, and I no longer speak like a Hulk. It's great. She is a plant person, and... and she, well, and the the reason for this is this hammer, this maul that they've given her, right? Yeah. Uh, that's made of this metal that allows her to focus and whatever, whatever, Which whatever. looks a lot like Ronan's hammer. Uh, it, the, the accuser, very, like, yeah. Very pre-accuser. Very much so. Um, and very clearly, you are absolutely right, because one... Like, when she comes out and she has her big reveal and all that and says all this, and then the very next panel, her face is, like, half-shadowed as she says, honestly, I feel more alive than I have in years. To which Thor, who has been dating her, right? Uh-huh. Replies, I, well, good. <laughs> like, he knows something is up. He doesn't know what it is, I don't think. But, yeah, 100%. Yeah, there's also a line that Koi has at one point when he's talking to the Avengers about uh, defending them from the Kree and the Scroll to the effect of, oh, you'll all earn our place among us. You will be heroes among us. Yeah. Uh, uh, here it is. When this day is done, there will be a place reserved for you here in our garden forever. Yes. Yep. I guess the first one to join that in the garden forever was Jennifer, huh? Yep. Yeah. Um, and here's the other thing. So this clearly is what the Kotati meant by the Celestial Messiah. Yeah. Right? Is their deliverer from what they view as oppression and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. they're taking the fight to Earth to begin their empire. Yikes. Yeah. This is not what we thought it was going to be. And I love it. I love it I for do too. It. I do, too. That then takes us to Fantastic Four number 21, um, which picks up from the scene in Empire where Reed and Sue send Franklin and Valeria to Earth with the uh, child Kree and Scroll warriors mm -hmm. who we saw in... Uh, Empire Fantastic Four Zero. And simple enough job, right? Like, it's time to head back to Earth and we're going to hang out on Yancey Street. Well, two things happen. One, there is a cult of basically Kotati-worshipping priests who see that the ritual is happening, that it's time to perform it as some sort of ritual. Mm -hmm. um, which we learn in this issue is killing those two kids. Oh. Uh, and also those two kids can't stop fighting and end up crashing the uh, jet, the spaceship, into buildings in Yancey Street and crash landing. Uh, they keep fighting. So Valeria does, does something that is, A, her remembering that, you know, sometimes the smartest thing you can do is ask for help. And two, using, I guess, the same device that Reed used in some other Kree and Scroll conflict to summon a bunch of heroes mentally to come help. Uh, and the two we see in this are Wolverine and Spider-Man. If you've ever wanted to see Spider-Man swinging through New York with Wolverine tucked under his arm, 
uh, a la Amazing Fantasy number 15, this is the issue for you. Um, and this this ends with that group of cultists there on Yancey Street trying to take down the two Can I tell you, like, this just hit me as you were talking, who that that young scroll and Cree remind me of? Who? They remind me of Damien and Jonathan in Super Sons when they would, yeah. like, fight with each other. Yeah, that's... I see that. Yeah. Um, we also get a good deal of Alicia and Sky in this. They are here. Oh, good, good, and good. I am very happy to see them. Yeah. There's a great scene where Sky's like, oh my god, they're aliens too. There are four alien species? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Alicia's like, I should have left you at the apartment, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yep, there's four. <laughs> you know, plus yeah. a couple billion others, I don't know. Four, give or take a few thousand, yeah. hundred. Spider-Woman, number two, Brian. Oh, yeah. So we find out what is behind Spider-Woman's new illness. Um... And while, you know, the, the person that's behind it may think that they have justification, man, is it still wrong. Yeah, um, like, this issue made me kind of uncomfortable. I, but, like... It's supposed to? It, it Exactly, yeah. that was my point. Like, it, like I don't want to say in a... I can't say in a good way, right? But, like, from a storytelling point of view, in a good way. It's about that. men who are convinced they know what is best taking control of a woman's autonomy over her body for scientific or medical reasons. <sighs> Yeah. Super, super wrong and uncomfortable. But, like, yeah. yeah. But also, uh, this fucking world. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, Jessa, once she finds out what truly is going on, she's like, okay, I'll help, because, you know, it may affect her son as well. Yeah. So, this right. guy's daughter has the same cancer Jessica had, and so he has stripped her of the powers that kept it at Bay, right. so that he could test drugs on her. Right. And so, uses the fact that her son might also have it as leverage. Yeah, there's a, there's a super like, you know, I think you need to know that Jessica, essentially her current powers come from two different things. One is a serum that was given to her mother when she was in utero, right? Which gave her kind of a lot of her powers, right? But then when she was born, she had this cancer and was going to die. And her dad did further experiments on her and found out a way to basically to give her regenerative powers and to increase and augment her powers in a way such that she was stable, in other words. Yeah. Right? Um, that she would not die. And so this person stripped that second half away in order to put her in the same position that his daughter is in so that they can test on her and find a, you know, recreate the cure. Yeah. Wow. I was very much uh, uh, amused by the, the earlier scene in this book where she has headed to night nurse's office and <laughs> Rhino is wrecking the place because he wanted some ointment. And yeah. he like grabs Jessica and squeezes so hard that she radioactive vomits in his face. And that is what takes him out. Yes. That yep. was, that was super gross, but delightful. Yes. And night, night Nurse is just the best in this. Yeah, I between this and Hawkeye Freefall, I am so happy with the amount of Night Nurse we're getting right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a, you do have a nasty rash. 
but you need a different kind of clinic for that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then after Jessica vomits on him, she's like, oh, okay, great. Now he's actually hurt and I have to do something to fix him. Yeah. Damn Hippocratic Oath. <laughs> oh, uh, that's beautiful. Yep. Moving on to X-Men land. Giant size X-Men Magneto. This is 100% a self-contained story. I think there's going to be something coming out of it, like in, in a, little, a little bit in an ongoing. But yeah, like, I mean, it's... It's true of this, it's true of Nightcrawler, and it's true of the Jean Grey, Emma Frost giant size yep. issues. I assume yeah. it's going to be true of the rest of them, too. That like I would think so, yeah. Each of these reads as standalone, but I think definitely you're right that each of these is seeding parts of plot lines that will come. Yeah. So, essentially, long and short is Emma asks Magneto to set up a sentinel island for her where there is this uh new large scale habitation building that has like the sentinel face on it we don't exactly know why yet um but the store this whole story is him going to the island procuring the island and building this thing and then at the end you know grows a gate emma comes through and she's like oh it's perfect i'm gonna invite people here and see who shows up um and that's that's from that side of the story, that's all you get. That's the seed that's planted, right? Yeah. What actually is the meat of this story is the fact that the island is owned by Namor, and that in order to allow Magneto to purchase it from him, Namor asks that he go with him on this mission to find these missing explorers, and so they do. Yep. And, and it's always Kraken. It's always a fucking Kraken. It's always Kraken. Um, and much like, uh, much like, uh, Indiana Jones, you know, don't, don't pick the obvious choice that you're presented. Think beyond the, yeah. I'm glad you also went to Indiana Jones with that. Yeah. Now here's the question that I have. What the hell do you think that's a key to? Um, Namor's heart. (laughs) Somehow. Somehow Magneto having the key to Namor's heart is just absolutely brilliant to me. <laughs> I mean, obviously that's not it, but damn, I love that thought. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, because obviously that's going to come back at some point. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, We also had this week the X-Men Free Comic Book Day issue, which... Does double duty. The first half of it is a prologue to Ten of Swords. Um, It starts out in some forgotten place, some forsaken time, with four characters who we have not seen before in any of the X-Men books. Although, if you read Marvel's marketing, you know that they are characters who are in Ten of Swords, uh, part of a group of characters. And there is more in that about who they are, but I'm not going to say it here because I don't want to spoil it. Um, Although I think, (laughs) here's an X-Men pun, the seeds of who they are are definitely in this issue. Um, They open a gate from this void and summon this root-like tendril, and then they cut to uh, Otherworld uh, at Saturnine's palace where she does a tarot reading and we see a series of 
five tarot cards, one called Judgment, which shows Apocalypse and... Remember the issue of X-Men where we saw the the other half of Krakoa? Um, yes. Yeah, and where... there was there was like a solid white woman there who looked kind of like Black Swan. Yeah, from, Cyclops uh, and Cy- and um, Cable and yeah. who, Phoenix, Rachel was it? Rachel went. I think you're right. It's yeah. it's been a minute. Yeah, um, and they yeah, and and it was like the other half of Krakoa coming back to it. Right? Yeah, yeah. So the first card is Judgment. Which is the two of them surrounded these li- by these like amethyst obelisks. The second card is the Four of Wands, and the art on it is these four figures in very Egyptian garb at war with other shadowy figures. I'm gonna guess mm. horsemen, perhaps. Horsemen, yeah, the four horsemen makes sense, right? The third card is the Hanged Man, uh, which shows apocalypse, beast. Havoc, Gambit, Glob Herman, another character who actually I can't I can't place. Uh, she has shoulder length hair and is in a purple shirt with an orange stripe across it. I'd have to see it. Um, and Archangel Polaris and Banshee, um, heading away from those same four purple obelisks. The Eight of Cups, which is split down the middle with a pair of figures I don't think we've met before. And the final card shows... Huh? The Ten of Swords? Yes. I was going to say ten figures holding swords. Yeah. Um, But yes, it's the Ten of Swords. The the five who are in focus are Kid Cable, Apocalypse, Wolverine, Magic, and Betsy. Okay. The second half of this has nothing at all to do with X-Men. Oh, um, it is a conversation between Iron Man and Pepper Potts. As first, there's an earthquake in New York. Then anything electrical dies out, including Iron Man's suit while he's flying, and the elevator that Pepper is in trying to get to the Stark Tower bunker. Um, and ends with things not looking great for Iron Man. I'll leave it there. Before we cut to a title card, where were you when the lights went out? Dark Ages. A Saga of the Marvel Universe, Fall 2020. Writer, Tom Taylor. Oh, God. Um, this is already confirmed to be out of continuity, and it sounds just like, what does the Marvel Universe look like if there's no power? Oh, my God. Tom Taylor doing another beautiful <laughs> world creation of end-of-the-world type stuff. Yeah. The theme for oh today my is my springing things on Brian that he doesn't know about yet. <sighs> Oh, I'm super excited about that one. <laughs> yeah. As much as I love Deceased and what he's doing there right now, man, I can't wait for this one either. Oh. Yeah. Um, there is another Marvel free comic book day issue coming out this week. Uh, Spider-Man Venom. Okay. Yeah. Is it still good? Once in future, number nine. Uh, how do you hunt a hunter like... Oh, fuck. What's his name? Craven? Beowulf. Oh, Beowulf. Eh, six one half dozen. How do you hunt a hunter like Beowulf? Explosives, pretty much. Okay. Uh, Brian, tell me about Aquaman sixty one. Um. Wow, bet you were expecting a wedding, weren't you? A lot of people were. A lot of people were. Catwoman number twenty three, Brian. Um. Let's see. Uh, 
Selena goes to an island nation and gets distracted from what she, the business she was there for. Harley Quinn, black and white and red, number four. Uh, this issue is Tim Seeley and Juan Ferreira. Uh, I also want to shout out last week's issue, which was Saladin Ahmed and Javier Rodriguez. Uh, this series has been a very pleasant surprise so far. Uh, number three is very much a take on the classic Batman How I Got Him story, but talking about Harley Quinn. And in number four, Harley enters a rap battle to win a cassette tape of the Joker rapping so she can embarrass him with it. (laughs) If you are not reading this book, you probably should be. Yeah. Is this a digital? It is. Okay. They have said there will be a print release of it, like an issue. Uh, I think they've said they'll even do like collected issues at some point. Yeah. But a a lot of the digital ones that DC does, they end up putting out in trade. I will say this is one of the digital issue, one of the digital series that is designed and laid out for tablet. Yeah. I don't know that I'd wait (sighs) for a print issue unless you really wanted to. I like this. In the format, it's... You know what would be super cool? I don't know if they'll do it. But you know what would be amazingly cool? What? Is if they released this, because it's clearly designed this way, if they released this in the same format that Barrier came out in. Uh, What DC has done in the past when they've released these that are like landscape orientation, basically, Uh is they just stack two pages vertically. Okay. So that... They form one regular comics page. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, their publishers are their their printers already set up to run the way they run. It's, it's yeah, 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 more cost effective. But you I'm see sure. why I say you see why I say oh, that yeah, barrier no, would absolutely. be cool. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying they won't. <laughs> I know. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, also, Harley Quinn, make them laugh. Number three, which I'm pointing out just because this is Mark Russell writing a Harley Quinn book. Why are you not reading it? Uh, and this issue, Harley provides therapy to inmate or to not to inmates to Batman's rogues, which means they can start beating him because they're not as predictable. In Mark Russell fashion, that gets Harley thrown in Arkham, not for doing anything illegal, just for being inconvenient. Justice League number forty-nine, Brian. Um. The Justice League continues to learn that they don't know best. Wonder Woman might. Wonder Woman's got a pretty steady hand on this. Wonder Woman's got a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman is by far the best character in this arc. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man, number 44. Um, Spider-Man has a series of bad dreams. No, Siri, I didn't mean you. (sighs) Conan, Battle for the Serpent Crown, number three. Uh, Conan and his thief accomplice track down the serpent rod in Wakanda and fight yet another person in a cat costume. Guardians of the Galaxy, number four. The Guardians fight the Guardians, and it doesn't look good for the Guardians. The Immortal Hulk. Did I say that right? I think I said that right. (laughs) Immortal Hulk. It's right on the line there, but I'm going to live with that take. Number 35, the Demon Hulk. Sorry, nope, the Devil Hulk. That's what he's called. The Devil Hulk is still chained up, despite Bruce and the Hulk, who is Hulk, 
trying to break him out together, while Mr. Fix-It is really shitty toward Betsy. Betsy or Betty? Ross. Betsy, Betsy, yeah. No, yeah, Betsy. Elizabeth. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. (laughs) Strike Force, number eight. Uh, Angela leads the team through a series of negotiations that end at the broken Black Bifrost and her mother. Venom, number 26. This is the beginning of the Venom Beyond arc, and uh, one might say that it is the ultimate Venom story. They they go to the ultimate universe. Yeah, I... I okay. Yeah. I don't know. I I think this whole thing is going to lead to something that just doesn't matter. I think it's all going to be null and void. Uh, 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 I, I, I know what you did there. I expect that of me, Brian. <laughs> Heist or how to steal a planet number six. Hey, maybe make sure that no one has leverage over your sniper. Oh, shit. All right. Uh, we have no long box to report on this week, but... Not this week. As promised, we will be doing one next week. So, Brian, roll yes, that beautiful long box footage. All right. Uh, the choices laid before me are Advanced Dungeons & Dragons number 14... From January of 1990, or The Brave and the Bold, Volume 1, Number 171, from February of 1981. I think there is a very clear choice here that fits more in the spirit of Longbox, and I will be taking The Brave and the Bold, Number 171. You're saying a 30-year-old comic about D&D from probably the middle of an arc is not as good a fit. As a 40-year-old random Batman team-up book with God only knows who for what? Yeah, I'm okay. saying that. Okay, that's fair enough. I'll allow it. Yeah. Now, Let's there's see. always, there is always door number three. Are you sure you don't want a door number three option, Brian? I am 100% positive that I do not want a door number three option. <laughs> I am going to stick with something that is known. I am going to take a quick look at this book and see who it is. Ooh, oh yeah. See, now knowing who it is with Batman in here, I am 100% certain I made the right choice. Can I make just a wild guess in the dark? Uh, do you want me to tell you the title of it? I'll make a guess, and then you can tell me the title, okay. and I'll make a second guess. You, you can you, you, visit you a little vengeance it. upon me. You will not guess it, but go for it. I am going to guess that this is a team-up between Batman and Mr. Mixit Spitlick. That is incorrect, sir. I'm shocked. Um, it is called A Cannon for Batman. And it has Batman strapped onto the front of an old-timey, like, western cannon. Is this a team-up between Batman and Batlash? No, that would have been a very good guess, however. But you're thinking definitely in the right direction here. Who is it? Think, think, okay, wait, I'm going to give you one more guess after I give you another clue, and then, then I'll let you know. Um... You are on the right track in that, you know, uh, Batlashes of a certain type of character. Think of traditional uh, us versus them conflicts that would have been around in that time. And this person would be from the other side of that conflict. Does that make any sense at all? It does. Um, Okay. 
Who is the name of the phenomenally racist caricature of a Native American from the Super Friends? <laughs> it is not. God, what was his uh, big uh, engine, Joe, or something I, like that? You know what? The more we guess, the worse it's going to get. So we're not <laughs> yeah, going to no. guess. It's Scalp Hunter. I prefer Batman Beard Hunter, thank you. And Scalp Hunter, yes. So we will. Mm, there's no way this goes well. <laughs> there's no way that this might be more racist than that issue of Tarzan. I'm. Th- I tell you what. Here's what we're gonna do. I am going to read it, and if we deem that this is probably not a good choice, then I will go with the other option to actually present on the show. And we always reserve that right. I feel like if you've got to pivot on it, though, you have to pivot into Dor- Dorsey. Oh, I don't think so. I'm telling you, I will never choose Dorsey again. <laughs> okay. Ever. Hey, it worked well for me. I don't know what your <sighs> problem is. Yeah, you remember what I got. <laughs> that will never happen again. <laughs> well, next time, next week's books to read. Uh, so... If you are reading along with us, mm-hmm. next week you want to read Umbrella Academy. We're going to talk about all three volumes. The story is by Gerard Way. The art is by Gabriel Ba. Colors in volumes one and two are by Dave Stewart, and in three are by Nick Filardi. Letters are by Nate Piekos. Uh We also have some picks for next week, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. Uh, chew number one. C-H-U, not C-H-E-W, but it is in the same universe. Chuniverse, if you will. The Chuniverse. Um, this is the beginning of a new series of miniseries uh, following other members of Tony's family. Brian, tell me about mm-hmm. Die Number 12. Uh, you, you, this is the, this is the Jamie, uh, the Kieran Gillen uh, book that is, you know, uh, grown-up D&D. We've, we've talked about it before, and uh, it's, you know, we're get, we're getting back into after our first arcs, you know, I think this is like the second one in this new arc and I can't wait. I'm so excited. You just can't hide it. Starting to lose right. control. And I think you like it. I do like it very, very much. Well, I like very much Horizon Zero Dawn and the free comic book oh, day man. issue of that is out next week. Uh, so you bet your ass I am getting it. Of course you are. And finally, Brian. Yep. A book that Super. forever will struggle in sales numbers and must have our support. Right, but yeah. No, but we are we are on. both very excited for this issue. I almost put it on my list, and then I knew you would, because you're yeah, fair an enough. easy target. I am. Batman, number 95. Yeah, it's the start of the Joker War, right? Yeah, gotta have this. Yep. Yeah. Glad this is getting here and, and, and finally starting. Yeah. Um, A couple of... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say super quick, on on that same note, like, you know, we were talking last week about Empire and how we were just ready for number one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I Having actually gotten number one here this week, it was so, well, like, if they had stretched this out anymore, it would have started upsetting me. Yeah. It was so good to get it and made it so much better. <laughs> uh, and I will say this at the risk of a minor spoiler. They have shown a design for a new bat suit. That is a variant cover to Batman 100. Mm. And this will probably prove to be a divisive opinion, but boy, howdy, I am here for this suit. I think it is amazing. Okay. 
Um, before we outro, a couple of quick programming notes. One, uh, for the foreseeable future, we are going to skip Dynamite books. Yeah. Uh, they have aligned themselves with some creepy folks in recent hiring and publishing choices and in support that some of their higher-ups have given uh, to some pretty bigoted voices in the comics community. Uh, if you are a creator working there because you still need the money, need the insurance, are on contract, we see you, we get you, you're good. Yeah, um, no, no problem with you. Certainly there are creators who have already said that they are stepping away at the end of contracts they're currently on, who won't be doing more work with them. Um, we may individually still read actually some of those books and show support for those creators who aren't a part of the problem, but we are not yeah. going to be talking about Dynamite for the foreseeable future. But if you are listening and are one of those creators who is stepping away to do other things or want to promote other projects so you can, uh, get at us. We'd be more than happy to... to have you on to talk about help make that easier for you to do yeah uh the other programming note we have a youtube channel now it's just going to be the same thing as our our uh podcast feed for the time being but if you would rather consume it there uh you are more than welcome to and hey if you just want to go in and subscribe and like stuff we're not going to turn you away for that either um but we are there. Uh, I don't know if at some point we'll add other content that's not just episodes. And I will try over time to go back and add in some previous episodes too. But uh, we wanted to try something new and that's it. Yeah. Um, YouTube. It's the wave of the future. Said <laughs> someone 15 years ago. 15 years ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to add, Brian? Uh, no, I think we've just about covered it. Cool. We would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can also visit us at panelologypodcast.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology. Get merch at bit.ly slash merch, capital P, capital M. Or send us questions, comments, or whatever else at bit.ly slash mailbag. Again, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. Go read comics this week. Mm -hmm.